of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Going through the Psalms yet again, and uh, today we are covering Psalm 7. We have gotten through uh, six Psalms already in three weeks, and so here we are this week starting Psalm 7 and in Psalm 8 in a few days. And uh, I just want to remind you that as I am setting these Psalms to music, um, they are, in fact, all the way up to now, none of them have been uh, verbatim. I have had to modify the text, meter the text, uh, so that it works for musical settings. Now, you can um, through compose a psalm, and in that case, it would be probably verbatim. Uh, but what I'm wanting to do is have these psalms designed so that they are um, applicable to maybe corporate worship music. And so some of them are. Um, <laughs> the text makes some of it a little bit weird when you're talking about bashing your enemy's head against a rock. Um, <laughs> but the, you know what? This is the Bible is the Bible. It is God's word. And there is nothing wrong with speaking scripture as it stands. And so, um, no matter what the text says, no matter what it is talking about, and as strange as it may seem, it is always beneficial for the people of God. And so anytime you come across anything in scripture, whether it's the Psalms or any other place in the Old Testament or the New, New Testament, and it's very odd, or you might think it's boring, uh, the book of Numbers, for example, you're reading it going, what is the point of reading all these lists and names? Well, God decided that it should be there, so it is important. And so here we are covering Psalm chapter 7. So when you hear these texts, the psalm text, and, and you're maybe maybe if you try to follow along in your Bible, you might think, wait, this is a little bit different. That's purposeful. <laughs> I'm trying to get the point of this psalm, and as close as possible to, this, uh, to the psalm, and trying to get that across, but yet we have to change and modify the text for musical settings. So I don't want to change the meaning. I don't want to alter it too much, so try to keep it as much as possible, but sometimes you have to modify the text for uh, metering purposes. So today, we're covering Psalm chapter 7. Uh, Psalm chapter 7 is a lament. It's a psalm of refuge by an innocent person, and this again is by David. Uh, this innocent person beset by the enemies. And so uh, in, in this case, he's falsely accused of murder and um, trying to find sanctuary and admits that his sanctuary is in the house of God. And he makes his appeal and his case to God's judgment so that he commits his case to God because God alone is the sovereign and the most high judge. And so his... Um, Contesting of innocence, <clears throat> this might refer to specific charges, but not a claim to be sinless. We've often heard that David is a man after God was a man after God's own heart. Yet you think about what he did. He murdered. He committed adultery. There were some bad things that he did. 
Um, but he is a man after God's own heart because the pattern of his life reflected that. And so we're going to look at this. Uh, my Bible, it says, uh, Shigayon of David. Uh, this is really just probably a musical or liturgical, uh, term. And you see that throughout the Psalms. A lot of times you're coming along, you're reading and you see some term that you don't know what it is. It's probably some sort of musical or liturgical term. And this is a Shigayon of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Uh, so let's look at this, Psalm chapter 7. I'm going to read through it, and we'll go back and break it down. So starting in verse 1. O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is any wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked one come to an end. And may you establish the righteousness, you who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent... God will whet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows and fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So this is a, um, a psalm of refuge, and you see, like many psalms, David at the end is praising God. So he keeps his focus in perspective. Um, he... he talks about his innocence in this psalm he talks about the evil man but he mentions his innocence and you see this throughout the psalms that often the writer will talk about their innocence now this is not a claim to sinlessness several psalms do this psalm 11 17 26 27 31 71 those psalms will refer to the writer's innocence, but it's not talking about a sinlessness. Certainly David realized his faults. So let's break this down. He's looking for refuge. And he says, deliver me lest like a lion they tear my soul apart. David says that in verse 2. And this may not be found in Israel today. I hope not at least, but lions were plentiful 
in that region during ancient times. And the lion often symbolized power, cruelty, and ruthlessness. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Nahum, we don't go there very much, but I'm going to go to Nahum, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Where is the lion's den? The feeding place of the, lo- the young lions, where the lion and lioness went, where his cubs were, with none to disturb. The lion tore enough for his cubs and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. And then listen to this in Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 29. Their roaring is like a lion. Like young lions, they roar, they growl, and seize their prey. They carry it off, and none can rescue. So the use of lions here, David uses lions as a metaphor, but he certainly would have been familiar with lions. As a shepherd, David's job was to protect his sheep at all costs, even with his own life. And so he would fend off lions and bears. But the picture of a lion here is not a good one. It's not demonstrating a picture of power, but one of, of evil, as if David himself is going to be torn apart by the evil. So in verse 2, he says, Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart. In verse 5, he says, Let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And he's he's talking about his own faults. He says, if I have repaid my friends with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. He's not afraid to invoke a curse on himself since he knows he is innocent. And again, I'm not talking about sinlessness. David certainly realized his sin, but there was a point as Christians where we don't let people walk on us and you shouldn't. Meekness does not mean letting people walk all over you. It also does not mean wrongly and unfairly treating people with animosity. So David here is not talking about his sinlessness, but he's really talking about in this situation, his innocence. In other words, God, let these people do this to me if there is any fault in me in this situation, because he knows there isn't. And then in verse 6, he says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. And I I talked about uh, last week, this word arise. In chapter 3, he says, Arise, O Lord. And this is an expression typical in the Psalms. It is sung at the beginning of war. During uh, Israel's wars, they often sung this and, and understood God to fight for them. And then in verse 8, The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. There is a judicial setting in this psalm of refuge. God must be the one who judges between the psalmist and his opponents. And the psalmist here is confident of his innocence. May we all live our lives that way, where we know God search for a fault in me. And and we know that we know that we know that we know that we are innocent in that situation. Yet I I fear that most of us live our lives not knowing that we are innocent. 
wondering if perhaps we have done something wrong, because that is our hearts, that's our nature. But let us walk by the Spirit, so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5. And when we do that, we will know our innocence. In verses 14 and 15, the psalmist here says, Behold the wicked man, he conceives evil. He gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, and this is interesting, he makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. <laughs> Have you ever, if, if you've ever seen movies where people make a trap or something like that, or maybe when you were a kid you tried making a trap, but my brother and I tried doing that, um, Hopefully you don't trap yourself. You set something up and then forget about it. I mean, how, how foolish would it be if someone set up a trap, let's say, for a fox or a raccoon or something, and then they forgot about it and they trapped themselves? <laughs> That's kind of the picture David's giving here. These terms, conceives evil, makes a pit. These terms express the conviction that a sinner reaps what he sows. Sin brings its own retribution. And some of us, including myself, has, have experienced that firsthand. Sin's goal is to destroy. And so the psalmist here is crying out for a place of refuge and really worshiping God because God is his refuge. And may that be the case for all of us, that God is our refuge. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Just
God judges righteously The wrath of God is burning every day He wets his sword If one does not repent He has his bow already strung and bent His deadly weapons He has now prepared He makes his arrows fiery deadly shafts Conceiving evil, he gives birth to lies. He digs a pit, but falls in it himself. His vicious plans come down on his own.